Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Muscle Science for Women podcast. I am one of your hosts, Ashley Van Houten. Unfortunately, you're just getting me today uh, because Rachel uh, couldn't make it. And just to give you a little behind the scenes information about what's going on, we're both very busy this week, of course, working on our own businesses and, you know, getting stuff done as lady entrepreneurs. But we're also, at the time of this recording, getting ready to meet in New York City to um, hang out together and have some business talks and get some work done and also celebrate my birthday. No big deal. Um, but it's the first time that we will have been physically in the same place since maybe a year before the pandemic started. So long time we've been doing this uh, remotely, like our friendship and working partnership remotely. Um, so we're really excited to get together and maybe like, I don't know, film some content. We're going to have some dinners. We're going to have fun together and share it with all of you guys. But it's a busy week. And so Rachel couldn't be here today. So what I've decided I'm going to do is I'm going to answer. We've got like a long list of questions that come in from you guys. And there are a bunch of really good ones that I wanted to wait for when Rachel is with me um, because I kind of want to know her thoughts and answers on some of these questions. I mean, as you know, this podcast really is very much Rachel and I just kind of talking BS to each other and asking each other questions about the health and wellness and nutrition and fitness industry. Um, and we kind of get to know each other better through the podcast too. So there's some questions I want to save for when she's here. Um, but there are some things that I thought maybe I could just address and I hope that you um, enjoy it and listen along. This will be a short one because I can only talk to myself uh, on the internet for so long. It's usually better having someone here with me, but we'll see what we can do. Before I even dive into the questions, gotta shout out our show sponsor. And I kid you not, if you're watching this on YouTube, I literally have two shaker cups, water bottles next to me that are both from the sponsor company, Bubs Naturals. Are they full of water that I'm not gonna drink? Yes, because I have personal issues with hydration. Um, just gonna, look, I'll do it right now. Okay, I did have one sip of water at this podcast, so not too bad. Anyway, Bubs is a great company. They've been friends of mine for years. They've sponsored a lot of my uh, endeavors on and off. Um, and you probably know them because they um, are big in our industry for their really, really high quality collagen. Collagen is something that's been getting more and more popular over the years for good reason, um, because it's a very, very easy way to get um, healthy amino acids that are very, very beneficial um, to most of us. It's not a, it's not a complete protein. But what collagen does is it creates sort of the building blocks of our connective tissue, our skin, our gut lining, things like our hair and skin and nails. So um, a lot of times we maybe aren't getting enough of these essential amino acids from our diet, especially if you're not eating a lot of animal protein, although I assume most of you listeners are probably pretty good with that. Um, but if you're working very hard, if you're exercising a lot, um, if you're, I don't know, over the age of 35 and just starting to think about, you know, things like skin health and stuff like that, collagen is really great. So Bubs has collagen, which I've been using religiously for probably seven years now. They have MCT. Um, for those of you who are doing more of like a high fat, um, you like to put MCT in your coffee. And they have just recently started selling their own blend of coffee. So they've got a dark roast and a medium roast. I just got some to try. 
really high quality coffee. Um, of course, I'm going to brew it and then put it in the fridge and put an ice cube in it because that's how I roll iced coffee year round. You can do it too. You don't have to. Um, but they're coming out with a lot of new sort of coffee related products and it's very exciting. Um, these guys are awesome. They give 10% of their earnings to charity. So go to bubsnaturals.com. You get 20% off anytime. This isn't a special offer. If you use the code MSW20, you'll get 20% off your order. So highly recommend. These guys are awesome. Moving on to the Q&A portion of the show now. Folks, um, let's start with Ooh, okay, so I have three good ones, and I I don't actually know where to start with this. Maybe I'll start with the fasting. Okay, so I had a couple people ask about fasting. One person specifically said, can you rip on people who use fasting for weight loss? While that did give me a chuckle, I am not going to rip on anybody. I'm not going to rip on anybody today um, because I don't think it's helpful. You know, I don't want to make people feel bad or stupid for their choices. And I think one of the overarching answers to this question about fasting, is it good? Is it okay for women? Is that it's very individual. There are some women who would benefit from some forms of fasting, probably because of their very specific situation. By and large, I don't know if it's something I would recommend, and I don't know if, I certainly don't think it's something that most women need in order to lose fat. I also think that like so many things in the fitness and wellness world, fasting, in a lot of cases, the concept of it, it's a question of semantics, because do I think we should be eating every one to two hours, 24 hours a day? No. Um, You could call eating dinner and then not eating again until breakfast, you can call that fasting. If you go 12, 13, 14 hours um, without eating, that is technically fasting. Uh, I don't, I wouldn't really consider it like a protocol. I would consider it you going to sleep and not eating for a while. And I think that's good for us to do. I think that it's very beneficial for us to have a diet that um, enables us to be metabolically flexible. This is something that Rachel talks about a lot too wherein you can go longer stretches without eating and you don't get the jitters and headachey and irritable and hangry. Um, you can accomplish this and still be eating carbs, right? So I think it's just important that, again, if you're in a well-nourished state, if you're eating nutrient-dense foods, um, if your other lifestyle factors are decent, like you're getting good sleep, you're exercising, all of those things, you probably are in a, in a relatively flexible state where if you are traveling in a plane and you don't have any food for six hours, you're okay. Or you go somewhere and the food sucks and you'd rather not eat. Great. You know? Um, so I think that, you know, the concept of being metabolically flexible is probably more important than, um, fasting to most people. With that said, again, people who have maybe um, craving issues, um, maybe a lot of fat to lose, um, maybe just kind of trying to work on creating some better behaviors around eating, the idea of like a shortened eating window might be beneficial. Um, It's something to explore. And I did do an interview with uh, Cynthia Thurlow. So she is kind of 
a big proponent um, of fasting in the sort of women's wellness realm. Um, and she wrote a book called Intermittent Fasting Transformation. And I'll put the link um, to that episode in the show notes. So if you are interested, if you want to check it out, um, again, it's not something that I ever really think of for most of my my coaching clients. It doesn't mean that it's, you know, across the board bad, um, but I don't think that it, you know, because again, it can also sort of promote maybe some uh, not ideal black and white obsessive sort of rules around eating, like God forbid you eat after 5 p.m. or before 11 a.m. or something. It's like, you, you, you got to live your life. You got to have that flexibility where even if you prefer to eat two meals a day at 12 and six, if you go on a vacation and there's a delicious breakfast, you shouldn't deprive yourself because you think your body is going to rebel or you're going to gain 10 pounds. You know, it's just like life's too short. Um, right now, I wouldn't say that I'm doing any sort of form of fasting, but prior to getting pregnant, when I was eating lower carbs, um, I would sometimes, I don't know if I felt like it, go, you know, 18, 20 hours um, before I eat, sort of almost as an experiment. I did a few like one to three day fasts. And again, it wasn't a big deal for me because I'm not super lean. Um, I had body fat to work with, I had glucose in my system to work with. Um, and it was kind of just seeing like, is my body kind of metabolically flexible? And am I resilient enough to kind of do this without it totally messing up my life. But again, this was like something I do like once every, once or twice a year, maybe, um, and not for fat loss purposes. It was more for just sort of like self-experimentation. Um, and another question related to that was like, how do you feel about longer fasts, five, seven, 10 day fasts? I personally do not see any need for that. Um, I don't know why you would do it. Um, I think the human body is capable of it, but again, sort of why? Um, yeah, I think if you're looking to do any kind of, and I use these words in air quotes because this is not how I describe them, but if you're trying to do like a cleanse or a detox, or I guess um, a better word would be like a reset, you know, if you're, if you've been eating really high carb, if you've been eating kind of crappy, if you want to sort of reset your system, reset your satiety signals, um, get that sort of detox feeling of not eating crap for a while instead of going cold turkey and like i'm not going to eat anything you know but water and salt for five days do a carnivore reset just eat meat just eat animal protein that way you are getting nutrients that your body needs you're not going to be starving you're not going to be hungry you're not going to feel sick you're going to support your body's functions you could still maybe work out and you know, you're, you're still sort of maintaining your muscle mass and all of these things, but you are completely restricting carbs. You are not eating sort of any additional fat. So you are going to have that sort of re reset cleansing feeling of not all that extraneous stuff. And it's going to reset your satiety signals for sure, because it's really, really hard to eat a crap ton of meat all day, every day for a long time. So that's one thing I've done. I've done sort of like carnivore resets for like three, five days. Um, it's not a fast. It's just eating one very specific nourishing thing for a while to just sort of reset your system. So that's kind of my overarching feeling about fasts. Not necessary. Um, not horrible for everybody, but you know, you got to use your own best judgment. Um, you do not need to fast to 
have your ideal body composition. All right, fasting, done. If you have more specific questions or you want us to dive deeper into this, you want to hear Rachel's take, send us a message um, with some specific things you want us to cover. So um, you can email us at muscle science for women, and that's the number four, muscle science for women at gmail.com. We get all those emails and we appreciate them. Um, okay, what this question's good. It's a big one, so I'm not going to dive into it too much, but it's from one of my clients. So she and I will be talking about this personally in our next call. Uh, the question is, what's the end point? When do you stop sort of striving for a goal, gaining, losing, recompositioning, whatever, and just maintain? When do you know you've hit the end? Uh, And I have sort of two big schools of thought on that. One, and I hope this doesn't scare people, of course there's no end. You're never at the end. Um, And that's not to say that you should never take a break and feel good and satisfied with yourself. But it's to say that until we die, we are evolving and changing and have different goals and different challenges and learn different things about our bodies and what we like and what we want. So there's, in that sense, we're never done. We're always potentially switching things up, changing things for our personal preferences, if there's different things going on in our life, um, if we have different health issues or strength goals, or we move and switch gyms, or we discover jujitsu and want to do that or whatever. So I don't think that we should be seeking an end state, a state where we're done. You know, I think that that's kind of boring and sad. You know, we don't want to just be done striving for things. Um, so I would look at that in sort of like a positive way that like, if you think of fitness as part of your life rather than a separate journey that you have to do to look good or feel good about yourself, if you incorporate fitness and wellness and those that work into your life, it is a part of your life, that is never done until your life is done. So that's kind of a cool, exciting, positive way to look at uh, fitness and, and learning about nutrition and, and strength and fitness, right? Um, that's how I see it. On a more kind of micro-specific level in terms of if you have a fat loss goal, if you have a strength goal, if you have a body composition goal, and you're wondering, when do I call it? When is it done? I think that that's, again, a sort of a bigger question of your own mental state, your own um, feelings about fitness, um, because as we have seen in many um, areas of fitness and wellness that people can take it too far, people can hit a point that they thought was the end point and then keep pushing past it to their detriment, right? Um, People who get too lean, people who overtrain, people who work too hard, people who um, become so obsessed with whatever their goal is that it negatively impacts their life, right? Um, So in that respect, it is good to know when to take a break or when to stop something entirely. Um, And I think that only you know what that is. And I think that it's important to have periods of self-reflection and periods of taking stock of what your goal is, and if it's still serving you, if the things that you're doing are still serving you, um, it's really easy to get like mired down and very myopic about a goal and doing everything you can to achieve it and not really 
taking a step back out and thinking, okay, but is this still bringing me joy? Is this still improving my health, improving my life in some way? Or is it negatively impacting? And if so, do I sort of have the the um, self-awareness and the guts to say, this isn't serving me anymore. I got to switch it up. I got to stop. Um, I've, I've encountered this a lot in my life. And I think that, you know, one thing I have never really struggled with is this problem of knowing when enough is enough because I don't have an obsessive um, mentality. And like another way of looking at that is to say, like, I don't have really what it takes to be elite at anything because I don't have that obsessive mentality, but it's kind of served me well because I think it does protect my mental health. I think being just okay with knowing I'm never going to be the best in the world at anything and just being cool with like trying things, getting pretty good at stuff I like, learning, um, moving on. And that being sort of one of the joys of my life is just trying a lot of things and experiencing things. Um, just being okay with not being the best because like, let's be honest, most of us are never going to be the best in the world at anything. But if you can be better than you were yesterday, at something you love. That's amazing. That's great. Um, but when it stresses you out, when the goal stresses you out, when it's impacting your sleep or your gut health or your relationships, that's probably, a, those are pretty good signs that maybe you're done and maybe maintaining for a while is okay. Um, maybe I'm getting meta with this. Like perhaps my client, I'll talk to her later. Maybe she means very specifically, like, how do you know when a body composition goal is reached? It's like, you know, that again is sort of up to you, up to you. Um, these things evolve and change and you just have to, again, I think consistently taking stock, you know, like if you have, uh, I don't know, maybe people who have relationships do this too. Like every few months, maybe you sit down and have dinner together and you're like, hey, how, how are things going with us? Are we, um, you know, listening to each other? Are we being respectful? Are we helping each other? Are we happy with how things are going? Like maybe those are the kinds of um, self-realizations and, and stopping and self-reflection kind of exercises that we should all be doing about every area of our life, right? Because it's just very easy to kind of keep going and what's comfortable. Um, but there's nothing wrong with switching a goal when it doesn't serve you anymore, stopping it entirely. The only person who I think would think you're a failure is yourself. And that's, that's your own sort of issue that you need to, you need to get past. I've given up lots of things when I don't like doing it anymore. It's okay. I think as long as you're still, um, trying to um, be happy and healthy and improve your life. That doesn't have to be fitting better into genes. That doesn't have to be stronger, being stronger than other people. It's just how can you um, serve your life through your health? How can you do that in the best way possible? And sometimes it means not working so hard. Sometimes it means not pursuing a six pack, right? Um, but yeah, only you know the answer to that. So good luck. I hope that wasn't deeper than it needed to be. Okay. This is what happens when I don't have anybody to like stop me. Okay. Where are you, Rachel? Okay. Last question. This is a quick one. I told you, although this question may not be super quick. Individual asked me a series of questions all related to the fitness industry. What do I feel? What do I think needs to be fixed in the fitness industry? The next question is, what are your thoughts on 
like these weekend fitness certifications or like the state of accreditation in general and people essentially being like, I took this weekend course. Now I'm going to teach you how to um, be a fitness professional, or I know everything about nutrition now because I took an online course that took me three days to finish or whatever. Um, now I did already kind of do a deep dive, although maybe it's worth updating this because it was a couple of years ago now on what I saw as some of the issues in the fitness coaching industry. Um, and what I did was I interviewed a ton of individuals and prof health professionals, and I kind of tried to source what seemed to be the overarching frustrations on both sides. So what fitness coaches were frustrated by with their clients and what they saw as the biggest issues and impediments to their success. And then conversely, I asked people who used uh, the services of health coaches, what they saw as their biggest frustrations working with coaches, what they felt they needed that they weren't getting and all of that stuff. And I thought that was a really, really interesting exercise for me. And I, the reason I did it is because I was experiencing some burnout as a coach. Um, I really didn't want to do it anymore because I kept seeing sort of certain repetitive issues coming up over and over again. And I got to the point where I was like, I feel like a lot of people are wasting their money because they're not ready to make change. And I'm wasting my time by taking on these clients who I feel like aren't actually willing to do what needs to be done. Um, and so I, I kind of did that research and then I put together this, this podcast where I kind of dive into all of these things. And so I'm going to put that in the show notes um, because I thought it was a good episode and you could probably learn a lot from that. Um, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. I would love for you guys, we'll just update this, for you guys to tell me what you think is the problem with the health industry because you guys are the ones that matter. I'm in a sort of, I'm looking at it from a different perspective, right? As a coach, as a health professional, I want the people who are paying for the services of health and fitness professionals to tell me what they think is wrong. So switch it back on you guys. You tell me. With that said, the state of, you know, the accreditation issue, the certification issue, I mean, there are a million great, really, really beneficial, good certifications out there. I'm sure there are many really bad ones. And I'm sure there are many health and fitness professionals who are highly educated and decorated that are not helping that many people. And conversely, people who maybe have just read a shit ton of books and podcasts and done a lot of personal research who have a lot of knowledge who can help people. So it's murky that way, right? I mean, you don't want somebody with zero experience to help you do anything. Um, but it, it is, it's a slightly different industry versus, I don't know, like rocket science or surgery where it's like, you really need a very specific type of education, you know? And I think some of it is like, does the, the professional you're working with have the education and the experience and the background that's going to work for you specifically. Right. Um, so again, I can't say that just because so-and-so only has a one-week course and is 25 that they're automatically not going to be as valuable as somebody who is 10 years older and has a four-year college degree in something. Do you know what I mean? Um, I just spent the last year creating a certification course myself 
for primal health coaching that's called strength training for women certification. And it is for coaches who work with women. And it's sort of an offshoot, almost like an evolution of muscle science for women, which is a course that Rachel and I created directly for women. This one is taking a step back and saying, what kind of education can we give coaches, both male and female, to help them better work with their female clients? What kind of knowledge and information and specifics about female physiology and hormones and culture and all of that stuff can we give to these coaches so they can just better support women clients who historically have basically just been given the same information that their male counterparts are being given, despite the fact that we have different physiology, different goals, um, different cultural um, challenges, all that stuff. So I just put out a, a certification course myself, which I don't know, you could probably do it in a week if you worked really hard. Um, and I think it's a really good course that would help a lot of people. So again, I don't know. It's, it's very dependent on what you as an individual need and want and require from a coach and then going out and finding somebody who can, who can support you um, the best, you know, um, at a certain point, And this is something I talked about in that podcast, the former podcast I was mentioning, the responsibility is ultimately on the client to engage with someone who is going to help them. And that's not to say that sometimes you make a mistake and end up with a crappy coach and that sucks. Um, it's not like your fault that the coach is crappy, for example. However, if you are investing, you're the one going out there, finding somebody and giving them money, right? So it really is your job to do your due diligence and your research and to determine as best you can if that person is going to be the right person for you. I feel like a lot of times people just get excited and they want to throw their money at somebody who's popular, who's a big deal on social media or something, someone who looks good. Neither of those things are good indicators of whether they're going to be a good coach to you. It's just, that's just the truth. Um, you need to uh, ideally like get on a call with this person, um, try and get some references, like see, I, I generally find the best success is like if you get a coach that someone you know has worked with, so you can really get the lowdown. Like, what is this person actually like? What kind of information are they giving you? How did they help you or not? Were there any issues? Um, but most coaches, if you're working one-on-one, -on -one, as opposed to just like some kind of portal where they send you PDFs, if you're working one-on-one, -on -one, most of them will have like an exploratory or an intake or a initial call with you, usually um, free of charge where you can just get a vibe. Like, do I like talking to this person? Do I think that they're listening to me? Do they understand what my goals are? Um, you know, someone like me, I'm not going to work with a plant-based coach who's going to try to get me eat more vegetables. Like that's a, that's a losing game from the beginning. You know, you just need to do your research. Um, so that's all I can say from my perspective is that um, there is, there's a ton of incredibly knowledgeable coaches out there who want to help with a wide variety of backgrounds and experiences. Um, and if you're going to spend your money and ask for one of these people to help you, take the time to just do the research, talk to them, find out what they're about um, before you give them your money. And with that said, I am back into coaching. I am doing some one-on-one -on -one coaching. I have a very small handful of clients and they are 
amazing. I, I love being in the place where I can kind of be really picky and just really only work with people who I think really want to work with me and who are really ready to go and who um, we just have similar values in terms of what we want to get out of fitness, right? Um, so I'm I'm back in it and I'm enjoying it. Um, I do have space for one, one more um, client in the next, like the coming months. So if, you know, you're interested and you want to talk to me about it, um, you can do that. You can reach out to me on Instagram. You can send me an email through the muscle science for women at gmail.com and, uh, see if we can make it happen. Okay. I think I've been talking long enough. Uh, I appreciate you guys. I hope this wasn't too painful. Um, we all miss Rachel. I know, but she'll be back. And by the time this is out, our New York, uh, rendezvous will have already taken place. So make sure you follow us on Instagram. That's where we're going to be hanging out. Um, you can find me at the muscle maven and Rachel is Rachel Gregory.cns, I believe. Yeah. And so we'll be posting lots of fun stuff, workouts, food, um, who knows what we're going to get up to, but I appreciate you guys, uh, supporting us, supporting the podcast. Thanks again to bubs, um, for making sure this podcast keeps running. Um, and, uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of your week. Take care of yourself and, uh, we'll see you again soon.